Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. All right, good day and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another Live the Fuel show. So this, today, we're actually recording over a weekend uh, because scheduling is always so fun sometimes when you're trying to balance life and also host a podcast show. So, But today, I'm bringing on an exciting new co-host, a gentleman that I've met through actually one of these new referral services that I've talked about before. They're bringing out and helping people get exposure. And this gentleman is a new author that I wanted to actually bring to you, the masses. And quick little background on him. He's actually the author of the new book, The Joy of Intimacy, a Soulful Guide to Love, Sexuality, and Marriage. And he's been counseling and teaching about relationships and marriage to audiences around the world, get this, for more than 40 years. So without further ado, welcome to the show, sir, Rabbi Manny. I'm sorry, Manis Friedman. See, I have to keep working on that pronunciation, sir. You so welcome to the right. show. You got it right. Thank you. And uh, for our listeners, uh, he's actually dialing in from Minnesota. I'm here in Pennsylvania, about an hour from New York City. So we're catching up on the uh, wonderful weekend here. And so, so sir, how, how, many, how many podcasts have you come on to help promote this new book? Is this a, a newer in initiative for you? Yes, it's very new. You might be maybe the fourth. Oh, wow. We're still in the top yeah. 10 here. This is great. <laughs> we so, just launched the book, and it's really... It's doing what we were hoping it would do. Well, let's, let's dig into that. So what were you hoping it would do? It would um, enlighten people to something that sounds like, you know, the kind of thing where, like, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> In other words, once you hear it, it seems so logical and sensible. You think, you know, why didn't I think of that? Or why didn't anybody tell me this before? You know, it's interesting you bring that up because I was literally hanging out with some uh, friends a few nights back, and, and I'm not going to speak about who, them as individuals, but I'll tell you, they're not in the happiest of phases of their relationship. I'll just go ahead and throw that out there. And they've obviously been together longer than my fiance and myself, and I, as a close friend, it's an awkward conversation, I'll throw it out there. Like, how do you approach these things? I mean, obviously, we care about our friends, our family, our relationships, and I'm not the professional, so I want to lend an ear. But at the same point, I'm like, you know, you guys might want to go talk to somebody because intimacy is no joke, and it does take work. Uh, I don't know. How would you speak to that as far as the work around intimacy, since obviously your book is called The Joy of Intimacy? I hope it doesn't take work. <laughs> I, I think... Intimacy should come naturally, but it does take some wisdom. So with wisdom, most people casually throw out there that wisdom takes time, right? It takes years, takes uh, life experience. Would you agree or disagree with that? Because I've also uh, met some pretty wise young people too. Yeah, I mean, if you want to reinvent the wheel, it'll take you forever. <laughs> but you don't need to reinvent the wheel. The wisdom is there. It's available. It just hasn't been passed on. And that's a crime. That's a crime against humanity. <laughs> well, I would agree because I love the fact that you're talking about recreating the wheel because in the when I was in the big business space, big corporate space before I became an entrepreneur, um, everybody was like, man, we got we to overhaul this. We have to redesign it. And if you dug deep enough, you weren't really necessarily overhauling and redesigning, so to speak. You didn't recreate the wheel as you kind of hinted. All we did was find a better way to apply it and utilize it. 
and then obviously wrap a whole bunch of nice flashy sales and marketing promotion around it. And everybody thinks it's something new and exciting. <laughs> well, look, since the 60s, we've been experimenting with everything. We don't trust the past. We don't benefit from the past. We're reinventing everything and, and we're paying a terrible price. There's 4,000 years of wisdom available. How do you ignore that? How do you just dismiss that as if nobody ever learned anything that we can benefit from, that we can use? That's really sad. There is a lot of wisdom. You just have to tap into it. So if somebody's hearing this right now, um, because that's, that's it's easy for us to say, right? <laughs> how, how do we how do we start how do we get how do we start getting getting going? Like how do we consider trying to tap into this said wisdom that is apparently all around us? We just maybe have our blinders on. I mean, is there is this some of the things that you get into in the book as well? Not specifically, but we are in the book. We are exposing or sharing accumulated wisdom. This is not a new experiment. Intimacy is one of the oldest things on the planet. We don't need to experiment. We've been there. We've tried everything. The results are in. <laughs> Intimacy is good. That's the result. Intimacy is necessary. It's not optional. I like that point. It's necessary, not optional. Um, obviously, you've been doing this for 40 years. So now... Is this something you've pretty much had to drill into people over and over again, year after year? Or is this just something that kind of really started bubbling to the surface after all of these years? Well, I put it all together. It took time. But uh, talking to people, it's, it's, again, it's not a struggle. Once you hear it, it's so, it's so familiar sounding because it's so natural. It's so right that uh, it's just... Oh, yeah, sure. Now that you say, now that you mention it, it's so obvious. So if someone's hearing this right now, obviously they're clicking, they're hearing it. Maybe it does make sense to them. Um, is there some common threads that you've kind of come across in all these years of experience where it's like, well, this is why it's necessary? Um, I, I can and come we, at it from a business perspective, but I'm in, really intrigued to hear your perspective on this whole necessary, okay. uh, the necessary intimacy. Yeah. And we haven't said anything about it yet. <laughs> I don't know why people would be interested, Kevin. There, there's a, first, let's start with the problem. There's a crisis, I think, in, uh, in life today. Now, there are people who, you know, you read the, you read the headlines. There are people who uh, are nasty. There are men who abuse women, who molest women, who uh, are, are really out of line. And of course, they have to be disciplined or whatever. Okay. The sad thing is, when you talk to a happily married couple, their marriage is what we would call successful, it's functional, they have no complaints about their marriage. And yet, they will, from time to time, admit that there are moments when each of them feels completely alone in the world. Hmm. That is very painful. And that should not happen when you're married. The one thing, the, min the minimal re result of a marriage is that you're never alone. 
Everything else is like icing on the cake. But the, found, the foundational change is that when you're married, you're not alone. There is somebody in the world to whom you are everything. You can't feel alone, even if, even if you're separated by an ocean. You may be lonely, but you're not alone. Hmm. So when people say, in a good marriage, you know, I feel alone. The only explanation is you have a functional marriage, you have a loving relationship, but you have not achieved intimacy. What if, what if they thought they had intimacy? And then is, is that a thing? Like, I mean, people say, oh, well, my intimacy fell away. Because the way I'm hearing it from you is it almost sounds like, well, maybe you actually never reached that true depth of intimacy that you thought you had. I, that's what I'm hearing. Am I hearing that right? Very likely, very likely. People assume that if you're physical, if you're sexual, you're being intimate. Yes, that should be true. It really should be true. Sexuality should be intimacy. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we've ruined it. We've ruined it. We've turned sex into a recreational thing, into an option you know, you have sex when you feel like it, with whom you feel like, whenever. And, and then you're disappointed that it doesn't produce an intimate bond. Well, you know, make up your mind. You know, I can actually speak to that. I have, thanks to launching this show, it's actually opened up my transparency. So I really don't care what I talk about in the show anymore. So I, I love being transparent. Within reason. <laughs> Within reason. Within reason, yes, yes. <laughs> um, but I've talked about it a couple times in the past how, and I, I told you before we started recording, like I was a wildland firefighter for a couple of years and i i look back now and that was 2010 and 2011 i was in my early 30s and i said i was i think i was kind of going through a period of finding myself so i was i'm an adrenaline junkie i love to take risks and but up until that point in my life i still had never really been in a hardcore serious relationship i used to brag about myself being the bachelor right and clearly lacking intimacy in my life. And I look back now and it's like, man, what were you thinking? And whereas now I'm obviously, I'm in a serious relationship of, of, of four years now and we're now engaged to be married. And then we actually are planning our wedding for next, uh, next spring, March of 2019. And it's just weird for me to even talk like this. And it's the only reason why this is even happening too is because I had to do a lot of self-work to uh, find the ability to get more vulnerable is what I've learned through the self-work I was doing a couple years ago. Uh, do you feel that's a big part of this intimacy piece is not just the two-way intimacy, but obviously that personal intimacy? There are a few words, I think, that we throw around a lot and we're not sure what it means. Like intimacy, vulnerability, love, even sex. We don't know what it is. No. We talk about it endlessly. We're not, we're not even sure what it is. Like, for example, if I were to say, you know, sex is really not a human need. It's a pleasure, like chocolate. Hmm. You can't argue that you need chocolate, but you love it. You always want some chocolate, some people, most people. But you can't say it's important or necessary. And perhaps that's why it's never satisfied. 
you can't satisfy something that isn't really a need. Hmm. Because if you don't really need it, how do you satisfy it? Wow. It's like junk, like junk food, right? Real food, you eat it, you're satisfied. You know, how many sandwiches can you eat? <laughs> but junk food, never satisfied because you never needed it in the first place. It was only there for pleasure. When have you had enough pleasure? I think that ties to the, uh, the short-term mindset versus the long-term mindset. Like that's what I'm hearing from you is obviously the junk food will give you that short-term reward, but uh, really sustainability of the body, the, the energy you need, the, the fuel to fuel the body, you're not getting the necessary uh, mineral and nutrient density, right? For, for life. So that's why you're not fulfilling yourself because that's not actually giving you what you needed. Exactly. So it doesn't satisfy your need. So you're disappointed in it. And on the other hand, at the same time, your need is not satisfied. You're still hungry, mm. undernourished. So that's a difference between sex and intimacy. Sex is like junk food to the body. You'll never have enough and you'll never be satisfied because there's no need. But intimacy, which means a true bond with another human being, so that you are not just you anymore, that's a human need. Hmm. If we don't have that, we're missing some piece of life. Yeah, you know, we're trying to fool mother nature. That's a real need. So when you achieve intimacy, you do satisfy a real need and you reach a certain contentment that you never get with sex. Interesting. So. I started wording something once I got through that self-worth period and tried to get myself, I guess, more intimate to myself if I'm saying that the right way in your in your frame of experience, but the whole vulnerability, right? And trying to, and the reason why I mentioned this is because the, my fiance I'm with now, um, she actually broke up with me for, for about a good three months, uh, a couple of years back because she felt she was just, my walls were still so high. I wasn't allowing that two-way Maybe it was intimacy, right? Um, maybe everything we had up until that point was surface level. Sex obviously was there. Um, and I think a lot of people in relationships, now that I'm literally talking about this with you right now, is uh, we feel that, well, if the sex is great, things will grow with it. And I guess there's not really a lot of truth to that. It depends on the situation, right? Because if you're just fulfilling a relationship based on that surface level reward of physical activity and never allowing that mental connection, that heartful connection. That's, that's what I'm hearing from you is that you're probably not going to have a long, a long lasting relationship or anything of real true depth or, um, or really fulfilling that need versus a want. That's what I'm hearing anyway. That's, that's correct. I think so. Okay. I think so. But here's, here's the really scary thing. If you marry someone Let's say you marry a woman because you love her. Are you married to her or are you married to the love? Oh, yeah, that's scary. That's uh, that's, so let's, that'll break your mind open there a little bit. <laughs> right. Think, think of it this way. A man says, I love everything about my wife. Right. Sounds perfect. Hmm. Can it get better than that? <laughs> so I've done this many times. A man says, I love everything about my wife. And I say to him, okay, but do you love your wife? And he says, what about her? I said, no, not about her, her. Do you love her? 
He says, I love everything about her. So we're not communicating. I was going to say, he keeps saying the word about. So what, said, yeah, what, do you, but, what do you mean by that? Because obviously, is that the key word that you guys are not coming together on, that about thing that he keeps stating? That's the intimate part. Mm. The intimate part means just me and you, not about anything. Just me and you. In other words, do I need you in my life? And you say, well, what for? No, no. <laughs> I'm not looking for something I want to know if I belong in your life. Well, what are you good for? No, no, you see, if I marry you for my for your money, I'm not marrying you. I'm marrying the money. Hmm. You just happen to come along with the money. But if the money disappears, I'm going to look at you and say, what are you doing in my house? Get out of here. How you don't often, belong. How often does that happen? Yeah, unfortunately. You don't belong here. I'm not married to you. Hmm. If I marry you for money, I am marrying the money. If I marry you for your looks, am I married to you? No, I'm married to the money, to the looks. Even if I marry you for love, I am married to love, not to you. So if you stop loving me, who needs you? You just hold on. Rabbi, you just dropped a bomb here. I mean, uh -huh. <laughs> wait, wait. I'm married to love. <laughs> love. I thought I thought we want love. I mean, that's the problem. So you're saying you could be literally be married to that that state, that feeling of love, Experience. and you're saying it's not the same. No. Mm. If you're married to the love, your wife will admit that she feels alone in the world because you're not married to her. So listen to this. Let's say you love everything about your wife. See, I call that polygamy. <laughs> <laughs> you are married to so many things. The only thing you're not married to is her. Man, I'm kind of scared to keep going here. We might freak out. So the I think we literally are breaking the brains of our listeners right now. I think we're cracking the egg wide open. This yes. is exciting because I, I, you're, you're, you're blowing my mind right now. All um, right. One more shock. Okay. I, I could take it. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me. Uh, if you're looking for good sex, then you're married to sex. Hmm. Wow. It is terrible. You see what I look like? <laughs> I'm 70 years old and I've never shaved. You got a healthy beard, sir. I got, I, do re I do respect it. It's very healthy. Thank, thank you for that word. Yes. <laughs> it's a rather, it's a rather massive beard, yes. right? Yes. Okay, My, I used to have a big mountain man beard when I was firefighting, but it was not that healthy. I think I had maybe 30% of that. So uh, yeah. Just let it go. It happens by itself. <laughs> Takes no work whatsoever. Well, again, maybe it's surface level, but my fiance already told me that is not allowed. She's like, uh -huh. I'm not a beard person. She's like, if you uh -huh. let that grow out again, because I showed her the photos, and she's like, no. And I said, yeah, but there's more to me than just the beard. <laughs> At least you know she's not marrying you for the beard. <laughs> yes, yes, very true. <laughs> she's not marrying your facial hair. So somebody comes over to me and says, you know, I'm curious. Do you sleep with the beard under the blanket or the beard on top of the blanket. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Never thought about that. Neither did I <laughs> until he asked me that. And then I couldn't sleep. 
because you could because <laughs> you couldn't make up your mind then after that all of a sudden i'm self-conscious and <laughs> try you know you try under the blanket and it's like you know what's you know what's so special about this and you try it on the bl- uh, what and you don't know what to do and, and well you never you never thought about it before exactly did you do you remember what you did before did, did yeah it- i fell asleep <laughs> <laughs> So you don't remember if it was over, under, it doesn't really matter. Who cares, right? Okay. The same thing is true with marriage. Hmm. You walk over to a guy and say, you know, you and your wife, are you having, I mean, really good sex? Wow. That's you, a just question. Destroyed, you just destroyed them. How is he supposed to answer that? Like uh, Socially, very com- awkwardly. <laughs> com- compared, <laughs> compared to what? Right. <laughs> Like, how, what do you mean by that question? How do you define? Uh, how do you define what, that? Yeah. And what's good enough? When is it ever good enough? Hmm. Especially when you go to the supermarket and the magazine says 12 secrets to better sex. Oh. So, well. I can't stand I those checkouts. I don't know any of those secrets. I must be really failing. <laughs> <laughs> and you do the same thing. You know, you say to a wife, your husband really love you. I mean, come on, really? Hmm. What did you just do? So when you introduce something, even if it's sexual pleasure or love, these are things. When you introduce these things into a married relationship, you've, you've, you've separated them. You've, it comes between them. It will not enhance their marriage because intimacy means just us. I just want you. I'm not trying to get something from you. I don't love something about you. I just need you to be in my life. For what? Not for what? For who? I need a who, not a what. And you are my who. Wow. <laughs> and what are you good for? Nothing. <laughs> I don't need goods. I need someone in my life. Now, if I can get past all things, you know, like what's the, the comedian with the, the stuff? Oh. Uh, well, who is that? George Carlin. Oh. George Carlin. Classic. If, if I could get away from the stuff and just connect to you, that would be an intimacy. Hmm. So even in the most intimate act in the bedroom, if you're looking for sex, you're going to miss each other. And the proof of it is, to get really graphic about it, after having been physical, it's pretty common for one partner to say to the other, how was it? Oh, is that that's a rookie, that's a rookie move. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't ask it, no. but everybody, but everybody's thinking it. True, so but there you, are two. You definitely don't want to say that. <laughs> there are two problems with that. Number one, how was it? There was no it. There's just us. Hmm. Who is the it? What is this third? you know, entity that has entered into our relationship. There was no it, there was us. And secondly, you're asking me how it was? Where were you? 
<laughs> Aren't you there? Ah, yeah, yes. Where were you? I could totally agree with this because, again, one of those self-development things that I, I bought books and videos trying to trying to hack what was going on with my heart and during that three-month breakup because I said, well, is it – and I've never done that for anybody else in my life before, so clearly she made an impact. And I said, well, during that process, I realized, okay, maybe we're supposed to be broken up, and this wasn't supposed to be. But I also realized, well, was I even giving her a chance – and not just her a chance, but was I giving myself the opportunity to grow with somebody else or let somebody in that deep? And for the longest time, I justified my single life by stating, well, I believe that a relationship or a love in your life should be the the bonus or the the sprinkles on the, I'm, I'm, I'm a health night, I don't eat donuts, whatever, sprinkles on the donut, the icing on the cake, whatever. But the point is, is I, I said, I shouldn't have to require uh, somebody in my relationship, but now I'm I'm hearing it differently from you, right? I think we should require or need that deep, deep level of connectivity, intimacy, and true, true love. Um, so maybe what I was saying all this time is even more inaccurate now that I'm talking to you today. <laughs> so, well, if, if you want to put it in biblical terms, it is not good that man alone exists. Hmm. That is, that is a law in nature. Okay. We can't be alone because to be me is not enough. No matter how great I am and no matter how much I love myself, just me, where, what's the point? Hmm. What's the point? I was born me. I'm going to die me. And what's the point? We're not, we're not created that way. We are created to become more than what we were given. I was born me and I remain me and I die me. What, what have I accomplished in my life? So, you know, all those songs and I did it my way. I got to be me. Yeah. No, no, you are me. What more can you be? You know, it's it's interesting we're talking about this this subject because I think in the past definitely two years, and actually while we're chatting here, I'm actually doing some screen sharing while we're at because I got all this funny, fun technology. But cause, ladies and gentlemen, real quick, I'm going to pause before I share this next step. I haven't done a good job plugging this gentleman, but I'm going to do some screen sharing for the video watchers on YouTube. But um, this guy's got two core brands, okay? Make sure you're following it's goodtoknow.org because that's his core main site. Uh, but obviously, the book we're talking about today, these, this this whole topic of intimacy ties back to his other site, which is thejoyofintimacy.com. So literally, the name of the book. He's got that domain as well. And you can go there. And obviously, it's part of his It's Good to Know brand. So I'm going to keep sharing this while I state this. But, um, you know, Manus, I, I, I feel that I, I'm a classic example of guys that might have been holding themselves back because this whole past one to two years, I've really reflected on, was I chasing the money from my corporate days, right, before the firefighting? So I went from like one extreme, you know, just trying to prove myself to the world, right, and chasing the salaries and the, and the, and the job titles and everything else. And I did very well for myself without even having a degree. Uh, I was a farm kid, man. I worked my way up, proven in the world, maybe proven it to myself, whatever, and then went back to school. Finished a, a BS in marketing and psychology. And that's where the, I think the psychology piece is actually what really helped me the most, <laughs> even though I do obviously uh, a lot of marketing nowadays. But the point of the story is it wasn't enough. So then I leave and I go 
get certified as a wildland firefighter and then go do that for two years and just completely flip the coin. And that was a great experience because it got me to get outside of myself a bit and realize we were doing something bigger, you know, trying to help people. Uh, but again, at that point, I still hadn't allowed true intimacy into my life. And I think in the past one to two years, especially recently, now that I'm 40, I've realized that, okay, am I, am I going back to that way? I mean, if I'm growing these businesses and trying to grow success online, am I doing it for me or am I doing it for us, my fiance, us, like our future together? And I think it's really allowed me to do more self-reflection. And a lot of what I'm hearing from you today, and, and it's obvious tied back to this intimacy piece too, is that it's, yeah, let's be real. My fiance and I, we have great sex. I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> and we're about to reach that next phase into marriage in a year from now. But I think it comes back to, are we doing it for us together? It's, it can't be just for her. It can't just be for me. And that's what I'm getting from you as well. Am I on the, am I on the right track? Yes. And this is, this is why um, living together does not really prepare you for marriage. Because what's great when you live together is not what you're supposed to accomplish by being married to each other. So here's another word we throw around. We don't really know what it is, and that is marriage. So I love you. You love me. Okay, so we'll get married. Why? Thank why? you. I ask the why all the time. Okay, good. How does, how does mutual love equal marriage? You love each other. That's great. What are you getting married for? I say the same thing. And I, now a, a lot of responses, people say, well, it's to prove your commitment to each other. And I said, well, I truly believe that marriage is more than that because I was Mr. Anti-marriage for so long. So I was like, if I'm going to put a ring on the finger, so to speak, yes, it's very symbolic and it shows commitment. And yes, there's like a legal contract, blah, blah, blah. But I agree with you. There should be something more deep than that. And I think a lot of these, what's the current numbers right now? Isn't it like 65 to 70% of first-time marriages end in divorce here in the U.S.? I think it's pretty bad. I, I forgot the numbers. I think people are just trying to rush the marriage thing too much. They're not really digging as deep as you're hinting at. Exactly. In fact, think of it this way. We love each other, so let's commit. What does that mean? What are you saying? You're actually saying we are together only because we love each other. So let's make a, uh, a, a pact deal. or a commitment. A pact, yeah. yes. That we are going to stay together even if we don't love each other. That is the most ridiculous thing you can possibly say. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm with you here because I'm, I'm loving this right now. So yeah. interesting. What we have going is love. But let's make a covenant that will lock us into this relationship when we stop loving each other. Why do you want to be in this relationship without the love? Hmm. So what is this commitment business? What are you promising to love? You can't promise that. You can't. Hmm. What makes love so exciting is that it's unpredictable. So do you think that we maybe try and spend too much time trying to make it predictable or trying to simplify it to that level? Yeah, I think unconditional love is a horrible thing. Because hmm. it's scary. I mean, it, it's not nice. <laughs> Imagine a mother says to her 11-year-old, I love you unconditionally. 
you know what the 11 year old is hearing you can do whatever you want and i don't care oh in other words you don't count anymore wow i'm i'm into love now you can do whatever you want and it's not going to change my feelings that's a rejection and it's not uncommon for the 11 year old when he hears that to actually become a fiend <laughs> he'll become the devil so so kids really are that aware when yes. they hear that because like i hear that all the time i unconditionally love my child we, we you know it's it's a mother mother child bond or a father child bond and i'm like it's interesting you're using these words right now i'm like people don't think i think about that i didn't realize a kid actually could be that self-aware oh yeah and it would trigger a lot of these kids who act out and disrespect their parents and do whatever right. they want. Right. And if you consult a child psychologist, they'll tell you to love him more. Mm. <laughs> oh, believe it's me. going in the wrong direction. When I was being a, and pardon me, when I was being a jackass as a kid, well, trust me, my dad called me on it. Okay. I, I, I'm not going to get into the modern day of parenting. I'm not a parent, but I'll tell you, I, uh, if I disrespected my mother that one time I was airborne. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. And I, I did not consider that to this day. I still don't consider that. Some people may talk about child abuse where I'm like, listen, there has to be boundaries. And, and you were, and you were asking for it. Oh yeah. You say the, <laughs> you say the F word to your mother as a child. No, 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 no. <laughs> Right. Dad, you dad, expect dad was in his den with the door closed. And then all of a sudden I hear a door open and I'm flying. And I was like, Oh, clearly he was listening. So uh, now, you know, the power of that word. Oh yes. Yes. So, <laughs> so you see what you called it. You said it's a mother child bond. Mm -hmm. See, that's correct. What's unconditional is that I am your father. That's unconditional because hmm. that's a fact, not a feeling. Feelings can't be unconditional. Other, they're not feelings anymore. Yeah. They're fixations. Right? So I can't love you statically. That's not an emotion anymore. Wow. But I will be your father unconditionally. How unconditionally? Depends on you. Even when I hate you. <laughs> Now that's unconditional. Come on. Wow. Yeah. I will be your father. Even if you make me hate you, I will protect you. I'll be on your side and I will hate you, but I'll be your father because that's unconditional. You've talked to a lot of parents over the years. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and still do clearly. So how can you tell? Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm impressed, sir. This is this is this is wild. So clearly, so so is there is there is there yes. pieces of this book that you actually tap into some of that? I, I think parenting mindset because I think yeah. a lot of people tie their current romantic endeavors, we'll call them that, back to what they may have observed as, in their childhood. And I think that's pretty common psychologically. Is that true? Well. It's not a question whether it's parenting or marriage. The question is, where does love belong in our lives? Hmm. Where does it belong? What is its role? What is it supposed to do? Because it's gotten so exaggerated. Love is everything. Love is the most important. Love makes the world go round. Hey, we're getting, 
it's getting out of control here. Hey, we got we got songs all about it. <laughs> yes. And as a song, it's beautiful, but it's not true. It's not true. So you're saying even, even those songs have a, it's a surface level definition. It's not digging deep enough. It's gotten and, too casual. And it caters. It caters. It's there to sell. Hmm. Love sells. But so let's define love. When somebody is important in your life, you should love them. Okay. Somebody who's not important in your life, but you love them very much, they're still not important. Someone who is important in your life and you don't love them, still important. So the average 11-year-old child in America has to be convinced that the brother he hates is more important than the pet that he loves. Hmm. Because they don't think so. Love is an idol. Literally, we worship love. Some people say God is love. No, love is God. <laughs> we are worshiping love. Wow. And, and, and love can't handle it. Love was not built to be a beast of burden. It can't carry your relationship. So what was it built to be then? To grease the wheels. Oh. Like you say, it's the icing on the cake. Yeah. But you got to have a cake. It's true. You have a foundation. Yeah. So when someone is important in your life, like a family member, um, even, uh, you know, you go, you go to the army and this is your, your uh, fellow soldier and your life depends on each other, your lives depend on each other. You've, you've got something important here. When you have something important, then the love is so appropriate. Is that why I'm still, I'm going to say weirdly, but I still have this connectivity to the fire world, right? Because I will admit it before firefighting, I always wondered, I never, like we talked, everybody talks about uh, your, whether you're a soldier, police, fire, first responder, there's a whole different level of connectivity there because you're involved in things that you literally are risking your lives together, right? And I've talked a little bit about it, but not a lot, but I feel that those two years, like I'm, you know, 20, we had all men on my crew, but it was, you know, my 20 brothers and we did not like each other every single day. And believe me, people used to push each other's buttons. And it was like, it was like having, yeah, it was about really having a lot of annoying brothers. Um, but in the end, you would risk your life for each other. Yeah. And it was, it was something so life changing as far as that. Like, it, yeah, it was cool being the adrenaline junkie. We're fighting wildfires in the mountains, but stuff like that, that I took away from it. It was like, man, I never had that in any other job or any other career. It was a whole different level of connectivity. And so that's a whole different level of love, I'm guessing, or intimacy. So now you're sounding really wise. Oh, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> Even without the beard. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I got the photographs. I, I had it at one time. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, you don't have a, you don't have a beard to stroke while you're no, being no, wise. No, you know, you get the shadow. That's that's but, that's, that's as far as but, it gets. Uh, out of out of love for my fiance. <laughs> but that is wise. That is a wise observation. Hmm. It was definitely life-changing. So, When somebody becomes significant in your life, you, you should love them. And if you don't, well, then maybe tomorrow. Hmm. 
but they're important in your life. Let me think about how arrogant, how arrogant our attitude is. When I love you, you are the most important thing in the world. When I stop loving you, you're garbage. I mean, is that not the height of arrogance on my part? Hmm. My love makes you important? Wow, never thought about that, that way. That, 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 that's narcissism. I mean, it, it's horrible. And we don't realize we're doing that, I guess. Be is this because we're still so surface level? We're not actually digging deep enough to know what those words and those statements mean. And, and because we worship love. So yes, love makes you important. Love makes everything. Everything is love. So if your kid is unhappy or miserable because you don't love him, love him more. Love will solve everything. Wow. You'll also kill for love. <laughs> You'll die for love. People justify it. Yeah. So we've, we've really gotten way out of control on the love business. So very briefly, what is a relationship? The feeling is love, but what's the relationship, right? So the relationship is this. Number one, you have to be generous. Hmm. Generous enough for two people. Yeah. Without that, don't even bother getting married. So if you look in the mirror in the morning and you're fascinated by what you see, don't get married. <laughs> don't get married. Very self-indulgent. <clears throat> But if you look in the mirror and your reaction is, what, you again? Time to get married. I've had mornings where, and I don't know if I'm saying this the right way, but I'm like, I wake up, I'm like, oi vey, geez, that's uh, <laughs> it's a rough morning. <laughs> oi vey is right. All right. So, so now you're ready for a new face in the mirror. Now you're big enough for two. Hmm. So the first thing is you have to be generous. You have to be generous with your possessions, your money. You have to be generous with your time. You have to be generous with your space. There are people who have a hard time with these things. You have to be generous with your words. When you're feeling particularly impressed by your wife or husband, why don't you say so? Be generous with your words. Right? So if you're generous with your possessions, your time, your space, and your words, you can get married. But number two, familiarity breeds contempt. How do you marry someone and not get familiar? If familiarity breeds contempt, you're in trouble. Wow. So the second principle of marriage is respect each other's borders. Don't trespass. Don't violate each other. And what that means, of course, you don't invade their privacy, read their mail, you know, check up on their, on their texts. Don't do that, right? But more than that. It shows you there's no trust. Yeah. Don't do their thinking. That's violating a border. You've been sitting there planning what I should say, <laughs> what I should think. So as soon as you come, as soon as that thought enters your mind, you know, she should really, she should, you've crossed the border. Okay. You got to take care of what you should. Don't do her thinking. 
that's that's violation it's abuse so the mutual respect means protect each other's dignity don't talk down to each other don't get sloppy because you're married to each other you should be more careful what you say to your spouse than to than to a stranger or a customer or even your employer do you feel that we uh just to pause on that topic right there do you feel that we do a better job of that when we're still like like where i'm at i'm still engaged right i haven't i'm not technically married yet but I've, everything you're stating here is a part of the relationship growth process and i feel that do you feel like that gets stagnant obviously as the years go on and, they, and most people forget about all this i think most people feel like marriage is a license for sloppiness oh yes that i agree with yes some guy actually some guy actually said to me why do I have to be nice to her? We're married already. That is awful. That's awful? <laughs> it's awful. But here's another side to that argument. You know, most fathers will say to their daughters, teenage daughters, hey, 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 you can't go out dressed like that. Right? True. Why, why do we have everything backwards? What's more important, the street or the home? If it's inappropriate, if she's dressed inappropriately, you're worried about the street? She can't go out dressed like that? What are you afraid of? The streets will become corrupted? The question is, can she be in the house dressed like that? <laughs> Which is so also I, a no. Also a no. That's the main no. Yeah. So if my daughter ever dressed inappropriately, I would say, dressed like that, out. Yeah. Not in the house. So if you want to be inappropriate, outside, not in the house. The house has to be special. Interesting reversal. Uh-huh. We, we've, we've, we've cheated ourselves. We've left the house. We've abandoned it. Nobody cares what happens in the house. It's how you look when you come out in public. You know, that's, that's not right. It's not right. We got to regain our home, our base, our life. And that's where intimacy starts to fall apart. We're so focused on what's outside that even what's happening in the average bedroom has become pornography. So it ties back to the same social concepts or, or constructs that have, I don't know, whether you realize or not got created, is it the whole keeping up with the Joneses or like everybody's so surface level and worried about what's going on out there or what other people think. And to your point, well, it's like, if you care so much about that, but you don't care about what each other think in your own house, that's scary. Yeah. So husbands and wives run around half dressed, half undressed. And then the bell rings, the doorbell rings and you rush to put something on. Hmm. Why? It's the pizza delivery guy. <laughs> you have more respect for him than for each other. Something's wrong. Hmm. You've lowered your dignity to the most important person in your life. So on the contrary, with your wife, you have to be at your best. You got to be always appropriate in what you say and how you dress and how you behave. You can't, you know, teenagers think we are so in love 
we can be the sloppiest, the most, you know, we can do whatever and he'll love me anyway. No, he won't. Wrong way to think about it. No, he won't. He will despise you because familiarity breeds contempt. That's an ugly, ugly word. So the second principle in marriage is mutual respect and dignity. Now, respect doesn't mean admiration. Okay. You can't, you can't demand admiration. It has to be earned. That I agree with 100%. So a wife can say, I don't admire anything about my husband. <laughs> but that's why you don't respect him? That's not acceptable. Yeah. So respect means simply don't invade his borders. Doesn't mean admire him. Just give him his space. But there is, you're, you're saying there should be admiration at some level. That, that would be wonderful. You can't demand it. <laughs> Again, it's got to be earned. Yeah, you can't dictate admiration. But you can dictate respect. Hmm. The third thing that makes a marriage marriage is the sanctity of it. We make a mistake thinking that marriage is our own personal idea. You want to get married? Yeah, maybe. Nah, well, yeah, fine. Yeah, I think I want to get married. No, no, it's not that casual. <laughs> marriage is awesome. It's the future generation. It's what keeps the world going. Marriage is good. Society is good. Marriages are no good. You have no society. You'll okay, become, so let me you'll become extinct. Let me throw mine at you real quick then. So, because I'm sure, and I'm going to see where I'm at because <laughs> uh, I'm all about putting in the work. I love self-work, professional development, everything. But I, I obviously was Mr. I'm never getting married. And when I got engaged to her last year, we, we got engaged. <clears throat> she was not expecting it. Like, because I've been preaching this, you know, forever. And she literally told me she was okay with that. She actually said, like, she actually told my friends, I found out later that, she was okay with to continue growing. And if we never got married, that was fine. And it was interesting. So I never knew that. But I was like, oh, really? You tell me that now. Uh, but I will say that when I decided to finally propose to her, I realized I knew it was right because it made me smile, which is weird. I don't, I don't know why. Maybe that's surface level. But I was like, when I thought about it and I thought about her reaction, and but I also, it also was, I was thinking long term, like, I want her to be my adventure partner, right? Us going on adventures together. We're we're skiers and bikers, and we we, um, we go skydiving. We're you know we're not nuts like that. So, I literally timed the proposal with a skydive. So we were supposed to jump out of a plane, and they were going to throw me out early. That way, I can already be on the ground. They were going to sneak the ring out. I had a whole plan. It went out the window because the high winds rolled in in New Jersey, and they could not safely fly us so they grounded our plane for the day so i i just adapted on the fly we were supposed to go for a drink of wine down at a winery anyway afterwards to celebrate so i flipped the surprise to there and i realized it was something meaningful in my life too just not to be a little bit selfish but i have never been so darn nervous in my entire life when that happened because i have all my friends around us we're in a winery i already had to relocate the engagement she has no clue this is going on. And I was literally spinning the ring in my finger. My friends are, my, my friends now know what I'm about to do. And they're like, is he going to do it or not? <laughs> I'll just say, so 
I don't know. I mean, is the where my brain's at and the way I'm talking to you now, is that a sign that I'm doing things in the right direction? Because like I said, when I thought about finally proposing to her and breaking myself out of my shell, it sounds selfish the way I'm stating it right now, but I got to say, when I, I thought about her reaction and our potential together over the long haul, that's what, and it finally clicked. I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm going to do it. It doesn't make, it, it goes against everything that I've always said. <laughs> So I'm just intrigued. I, I don't know. Uh, how am so I now, sounding? <laughs> so now I'm intrigued. Oh. What made you decide that? I still can't figure it out. It just mm. clicked. I thought about the one day and I said, what, what if? Like, what if you finally let all that crap go? I mean, you already did all that work during the breakup, you know, a year and a half before that. And, and earned her back maybe. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but at least opened her back up to the potential of her and me growing together. And I said, believe me, I'm still not perfect. We still are always working. I mean, maybe that's the wrong term for it, but it's when I, when I finally sat down and I, and then I, and then I got nervous about that. So I went and talked to a couple of close friends and told them I was considering to do this. And they looked at me like I had two heads, like you really, what makes you like, you just said, what makes you do it now? And I'm like, I can't explain it, but all of a sudden, I just one day I was thinking about it, and I'm like, "What if?" And then I pictured her response of us doing this together, and when it it made me happy, thinking that she'd be happy. I can't explain that. Just seeing her reaction in my brain, and it just made me all warm. <laughs> and I was like, and I thought a few more weeks about it. I'm like, "All right, I'm going to do this." So. It's not a very good answer for you. I apologize. <laughs> oh, a, it is a very good answer. Okay. But what, what it's saying is, and, and this is also very important, the only reason to get married is that you love marriage. Hmm. You don't marry because you love her. Marriage has to stand on its own merit. You get married because marriage is good, because marriage is right. Because marriage is divine. And the question is, who shares that feeling about marriage so that you can do it together? So when you go out on, a, on your first date, I don't mean you. Mm -hmm. I mean a guy going out on his first date. The first thing he wants to find out is not whether she likes him. What does she think of marriage? A girl goes out with a guy. The first thing you want to know is, what does he think of marriage? Mm. And if he doesn't like marriage, don't marry him, no matter how much he loves you. So imagine a guy says to a woman, uh, I would never really thought of marriage. It's not my thing. I, I, but you, wow, you are so special. I'll marry you. Don't do it. Yeah. Because... You're not that special. <laughs> well, and I even asked her. I was like, "You can't be that special." I was like, "Why were you with me even after the breakup and came back together with me like, when I'm the guy sitting there saying I'll never get married?" And she's like, "Because I realized I didn't care if we got married," and that was what got me thinking too. And I'm like, "Oh, she was, she wanted to be with me, whether whether I ever did the whole legal marriage thing or not." And that's when I was like, "Oh, that was something else that kind of clicked." I'm like, "Whoa, I never thought about." that level of connectivity before like she doesn't care if i got married or not i was or like, <laughs> or she was trying to play a psychological game on me <laughs> whoa and she won 
Uh, she's a she's a smart she's a smart girl. So. Yeah, she was saying, "Hang around with me." Yeah, you'll, you'll get married. <laughs> that could be very smart. Uh, she is a smart cookie. So uh, yeah, actually, you know, one of the definitions of marriage from a male perspective: men find a woman's interest irresistible because hmm. we're such doers and givers when we feel that we can give something substantial to somebody whoa we can't resist that and you gave her something nobody else could give her makes you feel like a man true I, I, well you know it's interesting because like going back earlier in this episode you had hinted about how you know money's not everything, right? And if the money is stripped away, you still have to have that foundation there. It's not the possessions, it's not the finances, it's not the job title. And that was something that she and I, like I grew up in a different upbringing. So she, I mean, if you wanna look at finances, more successful family is for, if you're looking at money as, as, the, as the evaluative, it doesn't matter. The point is she doesn't need me for my money or what I do. Um, she, she's a equine vet for horses and a chiropractic doctor, a doctor as well for the animals. So she's double doctor. Um, and she gets stressed out all the time from that running that business because that's just, it comes with that profession. And I found out thanks to knowing her that this is a terrible thing, but apparently veterinarian, uh, profession has a very high rate of suicide because it's so stressful and because they, they're constantly putting people's loved animals down if it's that time in that animal's life. And you do that year after year after year, I guess it could really beat you up. And that was something that I realized too, is that she's not looking for a partner to make more money or go on more trips. She needs somebody like me. She needs me to be there for her and help her unplug from that wherever she's at mentally. And I realized that that's something that I can do is that we do have those differences that help balance each other is, is giving her that escape or that think about other things other than that, <laughs> that, that foundation. Yeah. yeah. See, the experts are now saying that they've made a terrible mistake. And for the last 20 or so years, they've put all the emphasis on increased pleasure, how to get more pleasure out of your relationship. And they now realize it's a mistake. We don't need more pleasure. We have all the chocolate we need. <laughs> True. What we need from each other is more closeness because we're so alone. I just read that in England, the government is opening a new department in the uh, Ministry of Health to deal specifically with the problem of loneliness. It's a health hazard. It is. It's gotten really, really bad. So what we need from each other is not pleasure. What we need from each other is closeness. Well, and I can agree with that from a psychology standpoint. I don't have a PhD in it, but obviously I studied it. And I've had on uh, multiple psychologists on this show to help tap into that health demographic. And we've all agreed. The basis of mankind, a human being, it is not healthy to unplug yourself from society and to be the loner. Um, we do naturally, chemically, hormonally, love, love relation, we thrive when we get in and amongst other human beings. So it, it isn't normal to be 
stuck away in a closet playing video games, you know, 12 hours a day, never seeing the light of day. Like I, I, for example, could work from anywhere. So I love just taking my laptop, leaving my home studio and going to work at a Starbucks or at a coffee shop. And even if I don't talk to anybody, it's just, I love that vibe. I love getting amongst my fellow mankind. And yes, there's some fun people watching once in a while and some interesting things to listen to. And I think that's a part of what you're discussing here too, is that, now, I think you could probably dig much deeper, but at least at the initial surface level, we need to be around other people. It's it's a, it's a necessary part of health. But obviously, to your point, loneliness, you're also talking about getting us deeper than that, not just being out and about, but getting to that deeper, more intimate level of connectivity. Which only marriage brings. It's a strange thing, but it's true. Hmm. Like, again, the Bible says, therefore, should a man leave his mother and father cleave to his wife and become one. Now, why can't he be one with his mother and father? Well, again, I'm not heavily religious, but I do know the whole piece from the Bible of, uh, you know, you took a piece of man to create woman. So that is our missing piece, so to speak. We can't get that from our parents. They brought us that, into this world, but we're still, yes. we're still, we still need that missing piece, that piece that was taken from us. That's correct. But uh, there's that's, also that's my best runner up on not being. No, that's, <laughs> that's good. But there's also to your parents, you're not the one because they have each other. Mm. Even to your children, they're not the one. You have a dozen children. Right. Who's who's the one? Only the marriage is a monogamous relationship. To each other, you are the only one, and that creates a oneness. Man, that, that connects to a whole other. That would actually that would definitely be a whole other podcast show. But uh, about how, oh my gosh, I, I'm constantly hearing parents use the child or children as an excuse to stay together. If and again, I'm not trying to promote divorces or ending of relationships, but it's like to your point just now, though, the child is not supposed to be the component that completes you. That's that's like that's another bonus round. I'm, I'm like to your point here. It's like if the child is removed from the equation, you're still left with each other. So you need to love each other. And people who can't have children hmm. should get married. Okay. Because marriage again stands on its own merit. Well, you just gave me some more reinforcement for our lifestyle choices because she and I made the decision that. We, we both agree that we're not parenting types. Like we just, we don't want kids. And I, I have friends of ours that just don't understand that. And I said, listen, we're cool with being the awesome aunts and uncles. We want to spend all that time with each other. And maybe that makes us sound selfish, but that was another reason why like I've fallen in love with her is that we do come to the same ground on that. And some people don't understand it. They don't, but yeah. I'm not here to please you everybody know, else. I'm here to please myself and my fiance and my love of my life. Like, this is what we want. We agree. And it's making us happy. You know what's really ironic? With that thinking that you share with your with your fiance, that makes you the best parent. <laughs> right? People who True. are planning what we're talking about, yeah. <laughs> people who are planning to be parents, but they're not really into each other. Mm. They're not going to be such good parents. Interesting. They both can't wait to have children, 
but they have, and actually this, I totally agree with people rush. Sometimes the parenting, they base it on, well, scientifically, if you don't have children by this, such and such an age, that's why we got to have a child now. But what I'm hearing from you is like, okay, but did you at least build the foundation? Like, are you two so in love and so intimate that before you bring in that it is a stressful factor of life, (laughs) creating another human being and then raising them. Have you built that foundation, that fortitude? Because it's going to get tested for many years to come. So here's how it works. If you're content with each other, now you can be a really good parent. Wow. There's some people going to be listening to this episode like, whoa, I need to, uh, <laughs> I need to seriously readdress what I'm doing with my love of my life. <laughs> yeah. Okay, one more surprise. Okay. I can the handle it. Let's do this. The difference between intimacy and sex is that sex is a thing. Intimacy is a non-thing. Hmm. It's a non-thing, right? So it just, it just happens. Is that no, no, it's, it's two people having each other and people are not things. Right. So if you were to ask your grandmother, I'm assuming your grandmother was conservative. <laughs> if you ask your grandmother, what happens in the bedroom? Your grandmother would probably say nothing. And you say, come on, tell me. And she says, Nothing. See, she's giving you the right answer. Oh. What makes a bedroom unique is that in a bedroom, there are no things. There's just them. Interesting. Because you, you got me thinking about my parents right now and how I joke around about it, but they don't even, I don't know, my dad's got a thing. He loves these recliner chairs and just, this has been going on for years. They don't sleep together but they love each other and they're together forever. And, and I'm always on like, guys, like mom's in the bedroom and you're sleeping in the living room on the recliner chair. Are you guys always fighting for like 20 years now? And he's like, no, I just, she doesn't like it when I snore. So he's like, I sleep better in, the, in a reclining chair and she sleeps better in the bed. So it's, that, it's been going on that way for like 15, 20 years. My fiance hears this and she's like, that sounds like a great idea. We should have like two bedrooms and two beds in our next house. And I'm like, what? That, so first I'm like, that sounds crazy. But to your point, like, well, sex, sex isn't everything, right? <laughs> and and it really, it really does uh, dampen the intimacy. Yes. If, if you're sharing a bed, you're going to be intimate. Yes. Because, hey, you know, we're here. We're here. Mm. Might as well. That's terrible. Interesting. When you have two bedrooms... It is so romantic. You want to be intimate? Get up. Knock on her door. You know, king and queen? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. There's there's something so powerful about that. That's right. True. We we trace this back to medieval times. The king and queen did not sleep together, didn't they? They actually had separate palace rooms. Separate rooms. Yes. Yes. So when they were intimate, they were intimate. It was a rendezvous. Yes. Ah. But when you have the same bed, I don't, I don't know, you know, in Jewish tradition, we always have separate beds. Oh, okay. In the same room. Oh, and she, se- she's okay with that too. She's like, it doesn't have to be a separate room. She's like, I just want my own bed. <laughs> that, is, that is so sensible because two things, 
first of all, if you're going to have sex because you're in the same bed anyway, like, you know, why not? Hmm. That, that takes the whole soul out of it. Why not? It's, it's, it's meaningless, right? On point. the other hand, on the other hand, if you're not having sex, what is that? True. You're in the same bed and you're not even interested? And it doesn't have to be every night. Uh, everybody thinks that's supposed to be that way. Let's be real. I mean, I, ha- I can't believe I'm saying this now. But I'm like, no, it doesn't have to be every single night. And it, you lose some of the intimacy on that. So there needs to be some spontaneity. Uh, spontaneity and it, I, it shouldn't become robotic or procedural. Right. Right. So sharing a bed is robotic. Hmm. Have your own bed. And when you're romantic, we'll know. <laughs> because well, This is great because I'm going to finish right. this episode. I'll see her tonight and I'll tell her what I learned today. And she's going to be like, see, I'm right. <laughs> They're always right. <laughs> I, I've been learning that too. Yes. <laughs> All right. So here's the final punchline. There's an expression we use all the time. And it's terrible. The expression is making love. Mm. It's a horrible expression. You're not making love. Love is a feeling. You don't make feelings. Where did this expression come from? Great question. What you're actually doing is making a baby. Mm. But you did something to prevent the baby. But what you're doing is baby making. Right. That's what it is. Why do we feel a need to call it love? So, I mean, to kind of play off of this, you were saying, if you're truly making love, it's not the physical act of actual sex. Making love is everything that you're doing day in and day out, how you communicate, how you grow together, how do you make plans together. It's everything else, right? It's not even making it. Is it growing the love? I don't know. You can make love with someone you don't love. Right. If we're following that that new yeah. new new age definition, it has become such a meaningless expression. Right. But it also reveals another thing. Why do you think calling it love is an enhancement? Why don't you just say I'm having sex? Well, and I've I've met I have friends of mine, females, that have actually educated me on that years ago. They said, "Listen, I'm getting together just to have sex." I was like. Oh, so you're not making love? Like, no, that's for relationships. And I was like, oh. So at first, some people don't know how to respond to that. Like some people may think, well, does that mean you're you're promiscuous and you're inappropriate? And like, no, she's Yes. She, yeah, well, yeah, maybe that too. But <laughs> to, I, I think I think I think a lot of people, if they do talk like that, it's their way of unplugging their heart from the procedure, right? they're just treating sex as a procedure to get that short win, right? The chocolate, as you hinted at, and they don't want to open that, let that vulnerability happen because they know that's not an intimate relationship. Exactly. Mm. So sex by all standards needs a little um, embellishment. You can't just have sex. So you make it better by saying, no, 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 it's not sex. It's love. Because sex itself is kind of animalistic. It's not nice. Right? But then it doesn't make sense at all. If it's not nice, don't do it with someone you love. <laughs> do it with your enemy. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so here's, the, here's another. After having sex, 
even with all the love, you feel diminished. In some way, you're diminished. You've lost a little self-respect and you've lost a little respect for the person you're with. There was a, a, a draining process there. It is. Yeah. It is. Intimacy, although it's the same act, but coming from a completely different place, after intimacy, you feel more innocent than before. Because if you can get past all things and just connect to another person, you have tapped into the most intimate part, the most innocent part of yourself. Wow. That's like, like Adam and Eve before the tree. Yeah. So you feel more innocent than before. So marriage does not produce a familiarity that breeds contempt. It produces a feeling of innocence. Okay. So it is really a sacred experience. It takes you beyond yourself. That's amazing. And once you've had that, you know, it's not easy to achieve intimacy because any little thing can come between you. True. The pleasure, the pleasure of the sex, the disappointment because you were angry at each other about something. There's always something that gets between you and ruins it. Right. But if you can get past all things, even once a year, those moments will bond you so intensely that if you ever have to separate and get divorced, it will feel like an amputation. Wow. Now that's called married. I think you've blown some serious brains out of people's, uh, oh, metaphorically, <laughs> uh, today. This is this is powerful. This is deep. And I, this is, I, I'm, I'm excited for this episode to go live now because I personally, to be a little selfish, have gotten a lot of depth out of this. This has been powerful. Um, and you're going to get strong reaction. <laughs> yeah. And this is, but this is good. I think yeah. this is something that people hold themselves back from is allowing them to reach this depth and this level of intimacy, even if it's just one-on-one -on -one by ourselves, not, not even getting into that phase of, of marriage. And you got to, I've said that for years by myself. I mean, you have to know yourself before you can actually get to know someone else. And I, cause I see people rushing into relationships all the time. Like, do you even know who you are and what you're bringing to the table? Uh, and I, I, I have friends of mine who just, it's like a never ending cycle, like dating, 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 dating. I'm like, guys, like, have you at least taken time to at least be by yourself to really understand yourself and get to know yourself first? Because I think that's part of the problem is they don't know what they want because they don't know themselves. It's, so, I mean, is that part of your intimacy message here too from the joy of intimacy too? Is like, are you intimate enough with yourself to know what you're about to <laughs> put out there to the possible le level of relationships that reach marriage? Here's the punchline. These men who are now being accused of molesting women all oh, over yeah. the place, in business and in uh, coaching, Hol in Hollywood, everywhere, right? That's awful. So some people think that these men need to be taught a lesson and they need to respect women more. They have no respect for women. That may be true, but I think there's an even bigger problem. They may respect women and still do this because they don't respect intimacy. Hmm. 
So you ask some of these guys, have you no respect for women? And they say, what are you talking about? I have a lot of respect for women. Well, then why did you do that? And the answer is, do what? It's nothing. It was nothing. Hmm. So I pinched them. So I touched them. So it's nothing. They have no respect for intimacy. And that's dangerous, even for good people. True. So we need to regain our respect for intimacy. A touch is a significant thing. Being alone together in a closed room. Come on. That is intimacy. Yes. Did you, did you intend to be intimate? Were you invited to be that intimate? Think before you do it. It's not nothing. It's not nothing. It definitely is not. Actually, because I, I love, actually, I'm going to, as we bring this episode towards the close, I'm going to screen share again here because as you're saying this, I'm rereading. Uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, when you go to, to learn more about the book, thejoyofintimacy.com, the very first thing you state here on the page is intimacy is an art. It's not something that just happens. It must be learned, cultivated, and practiced carefully if it is to flourish. And everything you're just saying once again just now is like, hey, man, like I think people aren't – everybody just thinks it does happen. <laughs> they're not because, learning. They're not cultivating. They're not practicing. They're because not they're, they're thinking of sex. Yeah. Sex is not an art, <laughs> and it doesn't need to be learned, cultivated, or practiced carefully. Mm. It's just sex. It's just surface level. You don't need any advice. The birds and the bees figured it out. You can too. But if you want intimacy, you, you got to have a little wisdom. Wow. Well, you've already dropped a lot of powerful bombs today. Uh, my, my brain's going to be wide open the rest of the day. <laughs> I love it. Um, so as we bring this episode towards a close, uh, again, to our listeners, uh, guys, I'm still screen sharing for our video feed. His other core site is it's good to know, know.org. And that's where you can get everything about uh, Manus. So, but to you, sir, I always honor our listeners and, and my co-hosts, and you've been an amazing co-host today, to close out the episode with the final words. And you have so much wisdom and you've already shared so much, but is there something that... Uh, you know, a simple closing statement that you wanted to leave behind that let's say they forget everything else you've already helped us learn today. That is just like an all encompassing message behind your mission and what you're trying to uh, leave behind in this world. You won't believe it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> it is. Every married couple. Try this. Never be intimate with the lights on only in the dark because intimacy is a non-thing if the lights are on you're going to see something and it's going to ruin the intimacy try this i promise you your relationship will increase will increase and improve tenfold just by that alone intimacy belongs in the dark where you see nothing, you just have each other. Wow. All right. You got me some other ideas. What are you thinking about? <laughs> well, listen, hang tight. I want to give you a proper goodbye off the air. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Mr. Rabbi Manus Friedman of itsgoodtoknow.org. 
So again, again, his other course site, make sure you check out the joy of intimacy dot com score that book it's amazing i'm gonna have everything hyperlinked in the blog content on live so don't worry scott always gets you guys covered but again uh to close out the show he's dropped some serious bombs today i think we really all as human beings need to dig deeper into this state of joy and and what intimacy is all about and this book i, I can't wait for it to arrive i've already ordered it by the way so again to our listeners thank you for listening into another powerful Live the Fuel Show. He has truly helped fuel your healthy lifestyle today. So again, thanks for listening in. It's been another powerful show. And again, as I tell all you guys before, you too can live the fuel. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Hey there, listeners and fans of Live the Fuel. Scott Mulvaney here, your founder and host. Please hang tight for another one to two minutes and you're going to hear some added value resources and discounts. So first off, please don't forget to subscribe and submit a review for the show. It'll really help others find our show, and I would love to get the feedback. Also, please be sure to visit livethefuel.com and score your free Super 7s resource guide. This has got over 21 different resources that I've put together to help fuel your health, business, and lifestyle goals. Okay, once you're on the website, ladies and gentlemen, go to the resources page and you're going to score some added discounts. I've set up discount code relationships with my favorite snack nuts from eatpillynuts.com and my favorite healthy fats olive oil from villacapelli.com. And lastly, don't forget, I'm your connection into the healthy nutrition world from Isogenics. You'll see the logo there. Feel free to reach out to me. I got my schedule online. And to close things out, guys, Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is awesome, and I love having you listen, and it wouldn't be possible without our amazing editor known as David Studio. So if you're an up-and-coming podcaster or an existing podcaster, and you're just trying to find a better way to get it done like I do, get a hold of his editing services. You can find him on Fiverr. That's F-I-V-E-R-R.com, Fiverr.com, and search for David Studio. And lastly, just to close this out, ladies and gentlemen, we discuss so much health, business, and lifestyle on this show. We bring on biologists and doctors and entrepreneurs, and it's just a powerful sharing of knowledge. But one thing I do want to remind you is this. We are not a uh, replacement for your medical doctor, uh, for example, on the health information. So please, this is a show of free knowledge. If you need to go seek a professional's advice, please do so. This is free knowledge. We're sharing it out there, but obviously you need to make your own intelligent decisions when it comes to your health, your business, and your lifestyle. I just want to remind you of that. In the end, keep listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for the reviews. And let's keep growing this powerful message of a healthier, more successful business lifestyle for you all. Thank you for subscribing to Live the Fuel. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live the Fuel. And remember, you too can live the fuel. So please visit us at livethefuel.com.